Hello, this is Michael Zuber, and I wanted to thank you for choosing to spend a little time with one rental at a time. My life's mission is to help investors close 1 million rental properties. In order to tackle this crazy goal, I will need your help. If you like this episode or any of the content we produce, please share it on social media. If you get one of my books or perhaps one of our 500 cards, please take a selfie and tag one rental at a time. Now on with the show. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, folks. Michael Zuber, one rental at a time. Back with the one and only Mr. Greg Dickerson. How you doing, sir? Doing great, Michael. Good to see you. Nice to see you. So, uh, you know, obviously we're heading into the end of the year. Uh, something I'm already doing is kind of taking stock of what I did this year, what I'm hoping to do next year. Uh, but one of the things I'm starting to look at is the stock market. I'm actually going to personally be deploying at least 50 grand next year into dividend stocks. Uh, I think the S&P, as we're recording this, is about 39.50. We'll call it 4,000 for a round number. Um, I'm curious. You know, we talked about inflation. We talked about recession. Uh, we, we've talked about buying businesses in our first two episodes. I'm curious when you look at the stock market heading into next year. Um, you know, I, you know, do you see 3,500 before we see 4,500? Where, where do you, where do you kind of come out on the stock market? Uh, it's not, not something you and I usually talk about. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to say right now until we get the inflation and the feds response to it, but the markets always look for that Santa Claus rally because wall street wants their bonuses and you know, True. portfolios have to rebalance allocators have to allocate, you know, life insurance companies, um, you know, pension funds, they have to make payments and, you know, benefits, uh, pay out benefits, pay, you know, uh, pension payments. You have the sovereign wealth funds, you have endowments, you know, like institutions, colleges, things like that. They have to generate returns. So, you know, there's there's money that has to go to work. So right. they're looking at, you know, where's the best place, where's the right time? To your point about dividend earning stocks, that's why the Dow, you know, had such a big rally recently because a lot of the money went in there, the safety trade. So what the market's looking for right now, let's see what happens tomorrow if inflation comes in as expected or lower, then the markets can you know, potentially rally from here into the end of the year, put in a nice little Santa Claus rally. We saw that last year, the last couple of weeks of the year, markets were up six, 7%, crypto was up, you know, Bitcoin was up to 15%, some crypto was up 20, 30%, and then it all fell off the cliff in January. And you know, because of where we are and where we were in the cycle at that time. So um, you know, that, looks like a potential scenario right now based on if we get you know at or lower inflation uh, print we could kind of see that and then what the market needs to do because the market's already priced in inflation it's already priced in interest rate risk what it has can't do is is uh, earnings so markets now going into next year are going to be looking at earnings and they're going to have to reprice based on earnings and if we get the recession that pretty much everybody's forecasting and, you know, it's funny, you have these narratives in, in the markets where people say, oh, if everybody thinks one way, it's not going to happen. Yeah. So this is the most anticipated, predicted, forecasted <laughs> recession ever. So, so it's not going to happen. I mean, that's just that's just nonsense. Right. You know, you can just see it coming because yeah. of what's going on with inflation, what's that done, what that's done to the consumer and interest rates and all these different things. Uh, you know, it's going to have an impact on the economy. The question is how deep, how long, how shallow, how short, how mix that up any way you want. Mm -hmm. um, you know, deeper, shorter, shallow, longer, I mean, whatever, you know, you want to call that. So that's what the market can't price right now because earnings have been decent, but a lot of it's been because prices have been so high right. and, you know, we haven't seen, you know, a real recession yet, which is deep layoffs, 
companies going bankrupt and going out of business. Uh, you know, those are the types of things that really, that's what a recession really is. So the market can't anticipate that right now until we start getting into next year, see what that, you know, earnings looks like. Forget the guidance. Companies are going to tell you what they're going to tell you. You got to see what's really going on, you know, when when the rubber meets the road. So that's yeah. kind of what I'm looking for now. And then if we get the reverse, if inflation comes out hotter than what we think and mm. the Fed, I don't think the Fed will surprise. They've telegraphed 50 basis points, potentially. That's what mm -hmm. everybody's expecting. But if they come out 75 and that inflation print's higher, we're going to go down and break the October low. And that's where you might see an S&P, you know, test that 3,200 range. Right. Uh, and potentially maybe put in a base from there. So those are your two scenarios that are on the table and nobody knows which one's going to happen. Yeah. When I look at the, when I look at a bear market, there's there, in my experience, there's kind of three legs to the bear. I think leg one's done. That's multiple compression, right? Uh, depending on what you look at, multiples were as high as 26, 27. They're now 18-ish. The one that I don't think has happened yet is what you were just talking about is earnings compression. I believe analysts, generally speaking, have earnings pegged about $228 uh, for the S&P 500 next year. You know, if, if this recession has teeth, which I think it will, at least in the first half, um, you know, we could see earnings go sub 200. And then, oh, by the way, you know, just so people ask, leg three of a uh, bear market is capitulation. It's where people basically say, I never want to own stocks again. And we're, we haven't seen that. So I, you know, I think we're staring. I think, I think Q1 is earnings compression. I think people finally give up. We're through the holidays. They realize that the Fed's not kidding. There's no cut coming. And uh, analysts finally do what they're supposed to do. Because, again, they don't want to do it in Q4 because it's their bonus, as you tell us. So it's, um, I think earnings compression is going to be coming pretty shortly. What do you think? Yeah. And, and some people are predicting, you know, 185, you know, earnings yeah. should roughly come in, you know, around 185 on the S&P, which brings it down to about, you know, 3250. And that's about a 20% drop from here. Yeah. So, Ouch. I mean, there's, yeah, I mean, there's mixed opinions on that across the board. You know, there's some economists that are in that camp. Other economists are saying we're done and we're going to be off to the races. And then there's people that are saying, you know, we not we might not see new highs for 10 years. Now, to your point about people giving up on stocks, I mean, that's not going to happen. I mean, yeah. Okay. It, it is what it is. People aren't going to give up. Some will, but yeah. and we haven't seen that yet. So that's the thing. Mm -hmm. So what we have not seen and we have not had is a real capitulation where people just give up, they're out, they're going to cash, they're going to the sidelines because it's, this is a very different environment than, you know, you saw a panic and capitulation in 2020 where people were just fleeing. Yes. because Nobody knew what was going to happen. You saw that in 2008-9 because banks were collapsing. People didn't know what was going to happen. Now, with all of the money that's been pumped into the economy, the, the Fed has not sucked that liquidity out that, that has been put in there. The reverse repo, the banks you know, have all those, you know, all that money on deposit. They're not lending. I mean, there's a lot of money out there that can still be put to work. And then you have the retail investor that came in over the last number of years with stimulus, this, that, this, that and the other. You know, it's just a different paradigm now where people have really bought into the buy the dip mentality, the Fed put, the Fed's going to prop the markets up. They're not going to let it crash. You know, that that mentality's out there to where people will not let go and will not walk away from the market. And there's no catalyst yet, uh, you know, to wash the market out and make make it give up. You know, you're, you're going to need some sort of a crack somewhere. And it may not be in the United States. 
It oh, can yeah, be China. you're right. I mean, China's in a recession. Their market's very fragile. They're going to prop it up as long as they can. But if you know, if you get some big collapses over there that start triggering, uh, you know, triggering a global event like what happened in 2009, you know, that can trigger trigger some things that you know create a real capitulation of the markets for a while. But they'll find a bottom, like mm -hmm. they always have, and you know, people will jump back in. And you know, those bottoms have been pretty consistent over the last couple of times. They've been 50 percent plus or minus off the peaks. The question yeah. is, this last level was very distorted. So where's a real contraction from there in that event? You know, do you go back off the pre-pandemic highs and go down from there? A lot of people are, you know, pointing to some indicators that would say, you know, you got to break those levels to really get back to, to where you can find a real reset in the markets. So yeah. interesting. Yeah, I'm going to take a total right turn, total pivot. You don't know this is coming, but I just have to ask. Um about a about, I think it was about eight weeks ago. There was a billionaire, the CEO of Starwood. Um, I don't know if it's Starwood Capital or, or or whatnot, but basically he was coming on CNBC, basically begging the Fed for a cut. Jeremy Steinhart, Steinhart, yeah. something like that. Anyways, uh, he actually generated a PowerPoint, which is I when he had that presentation, he had PowerPoints for the Fed. I'm like, this guy's in trouble. Uh, so lo and behold, he's, his uh, mortgage company has gone bankrupt. That happened in the last 30 days. And then he stopped uh, his uh, REIT. He stopped paying dividends. So basically, Barry was in trouble and he was showing stress on CNBC. So what I want to ask you is I want to ask you about Elon Musk. Elon Musk, CEO of, of you know a thousand companies, but Tesla is where his wealth is. He's come out recently and said that the Fed... Uh, if the Fed goes 50 basis point Wednesday, which I think you and I both agree is telegraphed, he, it's going to magnify the recession. Uh, he's now said this for the last month, kind of begging the Fed to stop, cut, pivot. I'm wondering, is, is it unreasonable to think that he's getting daily updates of Tesla orders and backlog and thus maybe Tesla or maybe he's not going to have his 40 percent revenue growth and thus Tesla is in trouble or do you think there's something else going on? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's all that he's over. He's leveraged like everybody else. But yeah, Tesla's days are over. You know, I mean, Tesla's losing market share by the day. There's companies entering the market in the EV market, like all of the standard manufacturers, they're all coming out with EVs. Um, so, I mean, he's lost market share big time. You've got companies from Vietnam coming in that um, really great looking SUV vehicles. Um, what's it called? VinFast. I don't know if you've seen that. I haven't but, yet. You know, no. Yeah, check out Vinfast, killer. You know, EV. You know, uh, competitor to like, uh, you know, the Chevy Tahoe. It's a larger nine seater. Uh, okay. And then you've got Rivian. You've got you know all these other companies that are out there competing at scale with Tesla that just wasn't there. And you know that was a great stock during the boom. I mean, it it twenty x you know from the bottom of twenty twenty up to the peak. You know when I when I look at Tesla, one it's one of those stocks I would never touch. Because to me, it feels like a cult stock, right? Just like there's crypto bros and Bitcoin maximalists. There are some people that think Tesla can't do any wrong and we don't get it and all of that stuff. And then I look at kind of the, you know, 40% expectations into a recession, into China deterioration, you know, oh, by the way, now, and again, Musk is not above talking his book, right? What did he do last earnings call? He went into the earnings call and he started talking about Tesla is going to be more valuable than Saudi Aramco and Apple combined. And what did he do two days later? He sold stock. 
So I'm looking at all this past behavior going, yeah, he's, he's in trouble. Cause again, he, what he's doing now for Twitter is I think he's going to get a margin loan on his Tesla stock because he wants to get reduced interest rate of like 12% to something else. And then if he goes into a bad year and Tesla falls 50% from here, he get margin called out. It, I mean, he's, he's levered, man, man, dangerous. So I, you know, I don't really see Tesla as like a cult stock. You know, the way I look at Tesla is a fashion statement, iconic, oh, you know, brand okay. like, or trying to be like Starbucks or Apple or, you know, those types of things, you know, more okay. like Apple than anything else. He had the Apple of the car business, Yes, but, you know, and it, and it was seen as a tech play, not just a car company, but a tech play. But what everybody's finding out now is he's got nothing proprietary. His tech isn't that great. The cars aren't that great. What's coming out now are way better. The tech is way better. The vehicles are way better. They're more efficient. Um, you know, the winners in that space are going to be the batteries. That's yeah. the key to that space is the batteries. batteries. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's like the gold, the gold miners, you got to sell, you got to sell the shovel. Yeah. What's that? Sorry. I was saying back in the gold miner days, it was people selling picks and shovels that made all the money. Sorry. Yeah. So the batteries are going to be the key to that space. Whoever comes out with that is going to be the leader in that space. And that'll be the vehicles. It's all about the battery. You know, cars are cars and all that, you know, and everybody's getting into it. So that's the problem with Tesla is that, you know, it, it still does have that iconic brand loyalty and following. But for the general public who bought one because there was no other options, they're not buying another one. You know, yeah. um, they're everywhere know. in the Bay Area. Silicon Valley, yeah, where I live. It's not that good. You know, there's not that yeah. great of a vehicle and the tech's not that great. And then, you know, they want to charge you more for different things and extra battery life and subscriptions, all that. So that's what's one thing that's cool about like that company from Vietnam and I'm just not promoting or whatever. I'm just saying the idea behind it, you know, they've got a battery subscription because that's the biggest issue with these cars is the battery, the hmm. cost to replace it, maintain it and all that. You can pay so much a month. You don't have to worry about any of that. It's oh, okay. maintained. And when it dies, you get a new one and all of that. So, you know, those solutions are coming that, you know, has taken Tesla off the throne. Whereas you're not going to dethrone Apple. You're not going to dethrone Microsoft, Amazon, Google, you know, companies like that, that, you know, are just always going to kind of be there, you know, whereas Tesla, I think their day has kind of come and gone because he's not innovating. There's nothing new coming out of Tesla. Yeah. You know, unless he comes up with the solution, you know, and more, you know, product mix, you know, he's just going to continue to lose market share. So the real question is, you know, how much belief is there in that stock and, and, you know, moving forward. And I think, you know, from a Wall Street narrative, I think they're losing market share there as well every day. Yeah. It's again, one of those stocks I'll never touch because again, people are so passionate. It's no, nobody's ever in the middle. Either you love it or hate it. And uh, it, I don't play in stocks like that. It's just, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's fun to watch just how passionate people are. And I know people are going to watch this and say, oh, but Tesla's got the, uh, got the new semi truck and they've got solar panels and they got this, that, the other. Um, it's just, I, I think it is so dangerous to have blind faith in one person. And, um, and I say that as somebody who got burned significantly last time. Yeah, so yeah. I mean, they're a great company. They're, they've got a lot yeah. of things that they've done and stuff like that. I'm not saying that I'm just saying their stocks overvalued. That's all yeah, I'm saying. No, I get it. Yeah, no, I, I understand. It's going to be fun to watch again. The next, uh, the other thing that I will say about, uh, Tesla or, or, you know, kind of, uh, tier number one companies, even Apple is going into a recession. You will see people delay purchases, right? Hey, I was going to buy the next iPhone 14 or whatever it is. Maybe I'll wait for the 15, right? You're not going to give up on Apple. You're just going to wait 
for the next iteration. And if you're buying a Tesla, you know, maybe you wait a year. So it's, and again, it, it, so, it does have you know, some cash. With all in. that said, keep in mind, you're talking to a guy who still has a 6S plus. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh my God. Yeah. Oh, you got a 6S. Oh my God. That's funny. That's yeah, funny. a 6S plus. Well, you know, it works. What it are your kids got to buy you something for Christmas, man? <laughs> you know, I just, it's to me, it's such a pain. You got to be a new phone and the case for it. And all, you know, I just, if yeah. it, works, it works, why mess with it? Now, you know, I mean, computer, I'm, you know, I had, I use PCs forever and I had a Mac when I switched to Mac, my first Mac, I kept that for, I don't know, six years. I just bought a new one last year for myself for Christmas because they work. <laughs> Yeah, you know, at yeah. the end of the day, they work. And what I was waiting for in the Mac was the new camera that did wow. HD. That was 1280 HD because the old Macs only had a 780. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah, okay. so I finally bought a Mac last year. This is what I'm on right now. Record. It's got the 1280, you know, HD uh, camera in it. And oh, nice. um, yeah, so, you know, I just, I'm not one of those guys that's got to have the next new thing all the time. Yeah. You know, I just, if it's working for me and it does everything I need it to do, I'm fine. But, you know, when there's advances, I'll, I'll jump into them. But an iPhone... To me, I mean, the only thing I really do with it is phone calls and film some yeah. videos. And, yeah. you know, I don't need the next latest and greatest, you know, but <laughs> all my family does. And they've all got the newest, highest, <laughs> exactly. latest, greatest. Where's dad's phone? It's the old yeah. one over there. <laughs> exactly. Oh, man, that's so much fun. Well, Greg, do me a favor. Where can people find you? Yeah, gregdickerson.com. That's where all my info is. Go check it out. Awesome. Thank you so much.